G'day cobbers and welcome back to the bottom of the barrel. Looks like the barrel is bloody chockers with Chico Rolls, Winnie Blues and VB Toolies as we go for a quick strap down to Westall, Victoria. Again, I've got Josh with me here today. Welcome back. I This is the most Australian podcast out there. Um, yeah, after today, you're going to speak fluent Australian, even if you, you, know, you lived here for 20 years. Nah, mate, after today, you're going to be fucking talking like a true blue Aussie. <laughs> I love it. Um, kind of because we do have a few like international listeners and stuff now, I thought it was kind of prudent to lean into the Aussie accent on this one, and I realise I already have an Aussie accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. But, you know, that's not what we sound like. We sound like what I just said before. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, naturally I don't have a, a a fluent Aussie accent. Mine's kind of all over the fucking place, but it's, uh, you know, after working in construction and now steelworks for the last fucking 10, 15 years, it's, it's really starting to come along yeah so i i feel like you know i am i am australian even though my blood says different well one thing i do know about you is that you didn't come here to fuck spiders no i didn't i didn't so uh, let's let's uh let's get into it last episode i touched on the the bet sphere and i teased this uh this story coming up uh, which is the incident in westall in 1966 I thought I knew this story pretty well, as it has been one of my favourites for quite a long time, uh, but through the process of actually doing this research for this episode and getting everything ready, I realised that there's so much more to unpack here that I possibly could have imagined. So I am going to try and cover as much as possible, but it's there's just so much here, and everything sort of leads into something else, or there's... We'll find out, but just know that this one actually took me by surprise a little bit of how much I didn't know about it. Um, now, a lot of the stuff we're going to be covering today mostly comes from uh, a documentary that was done by Shane Ryan in 2010. It's called Westall 66, A Suburban UFO Mystery. We... Westall 66 just sounds like a car. It does, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, this is my Westall 66. 66. <laughs> uh, I've, uh, I've done the new intakes here, and uh, she's a little bit of bottom rust, but, you know, we'll, we'll, she, she, she's she's beautiful on top. Just replaced a flux capacitor. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> Fucking hell. Um, but, look, before we get into this story, uh, I do want to say thanks to everybody that's joining in. Um, if you want to follow us on social media, we have an Instagram account now, which is bottom OT barrel uh, at Instagram. I'll put that in the show notes. And another little exciting thing that I've decided to uh, try and put out there is that we now have an email. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you can email us at add to the barrel at gmail.com. I was very surprised that that was available. After yeah, yeah, yeah. Spending like forty-five <laughs> minutes trying to come up with different iterations of bottom of the barrel that didn't have fifteen numbers and Egyptian hieroglyphics coming after Look, it. I, I, Egyptian hieroglyphics <laughs> would make it unique, in it, my opinion. It would, uh, um, but I don't know. My keyboard doesn't do that. No, yours doesn't think. have the uh, the crane or the the person going like this? No, oh. no, no, no. Much like it doesn't have ancient Aramaic, <laughs> not really something that I'm uh, fluent in. But look, if you do want to write to us, if you have a story suggestion that you would like us to cover, if you want to send us fan mail, 
hate mail, chain mail, have at it. And I don't mean chain mail as in like, forward this or you will die. I mean like a full chain mail suit. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty you tight know, you, you that, send, send, send me your chain mail, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I need something for the next Ren Fair. Yes, exactly. Um, so look, I'll put that in the show notes. Now, before we do get right into this, Josh, um, I wanted to ask you, are you aware of the various classifications of UFO encounters? Uh, no. No? Absolutely not. <laughs> okay. Um, so, you would have heard of, like, the movie, like, Close Encounters yeah, of the yeah, Fourth yeah. Kind and all that kind yep. of stuff? Well, of the kind is a genuine classification system for UFO encounters. Okay. Now, our boy... Dr. J. Allen Hynek was the first person to come up with the UFO classification. Right. So, uh, again, I've spoken about him a few times on the pod already, but he was the head of Project Blue Book from the late 1940s right. um, in, for the U.S. Air Force investigating uh, UFOs and strangeness and yep. that sort of yep. stuff. Um, so, this will kind of be like a reference for future episodes as well um, and something to like keep in mind uh but i do just want to go through quickly and we're going to do the Heineck scale that classifies all of the different uh ufo encounters now the first kind the second kind and the third kind i'm going to get josh to do these are the original ones that dr Heineck came up with fourth and fifth kind are sort of more accepted in the ufo community but don't have the same like rigid scientific parameters as the original three kinds that Dr. Hynek came up with. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So if you're happy to lead into, I'll get you to do the first three for us and I'll do the following two. All right. So we have uh, Close Encounters of the First Kind. Uh, Visual sightings of an unidentified flying object seemingly less than 500 feet or 150 meters away, uh, show an appreciable angular extension and considerable detail. Now, this is followed by Close Encounters of, you guessed it, the second kind, uh, a UFO event in which a physical effect is alleged. Uh, this can be interference in functioning vehicles or electronic devices, uh, animals reacting, and a physiological effect such as paralysis or heat as well as discomfort in the witness. Um, some physical traces, like impressions in the ground, uh, scorched or otherwise affected vegetation, uh, or a chemical trace. Now, going back to that um, electronic device interference, in all the movies, you always see the radios jumping from left to right to left to right. Yeah. Um, it's a very common uh, effect. Um, even uh, hearing about stories, uh, well, of this second kind, um, people... Yeah, that, that's the first thing they notice is, like, their radio goes crazy. Yeah, and... the lights start flashing yeah, stuff like, in yeah, their car. Yeah, yeah. They feel helpless and unable or unwilling to be able to move from the area yeah. that they're in. One thing I notice in this, though, is there's no um, uh, no talk about, like, loss of time. Yeah. Is that not part of this? So... If, for the purpose that Heineck came up with these, they needed to be of a scientific standard. Okay, yep. So, loss of time is not something that's truly able to be measured, apart from, like, an anecdotal account from the witness. Sure, sure. It's 
harder to prove scientifically where yep. they were, what they were doing, how long they were gone for. So this is developed as like, in the same way that you would have, uh, I guess, any sort of legitimate scientific measurement yep. of something taking place. You can't rely on something that you can't prove. Okay. Yep. Uh, and then that brings us to close encounters of the third kind. Uh, UFO encounters in which an animated entity is present. Is present, not president. No. Present. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's a whole other conspiracy right there. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm like 99% sure that Joe Biden is an animated entity that is president. Oh, he's animated, but he, he, that's a it's an animated corpse. It's not. A, it's not an alien. <laughs> yeah, barely. <laughs> um, these include uh, humanoids, robots, uh, and humans who seem t- uh, to be occupants or pilots of a ufo um i hand off to mitch for the following kinds cool uh so like i've said a couple of times now uh the fourth and the fifth kind are not part of the original scale but have been widely adopted in ufology regardless there are too many kinds of encounters please at le- eliminate at least two <laughs> i am not a crackpot <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so look, a close encounter of the fourth kind uh, is a UFO event which the human is abducted by a UFO uh, or its occupants. So that's not just being beamed up into a craft. It's people coming out or something coming out of the craft and taking them aboard. Um, now, Hynek's associate Jacques Vallée argued uh, in the scientific journal of exploration that the fourth kind should refer to cases when witnesses experience the transformation of their sense of reality as well so not just abductions but this would tie into missing time okay where your okay. sense of reality is distorted so much that it's not quite comprehensible which is almost the same as being abducted, I imagine. I was like, going to say it's the same as being on a bender, really. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, and look, for the last uh, but not least, we have close encounters of the fifth kind. Uh, a close encounter of the fifth kind is a UFO event claiming direct communication between aliens and humans. So a share of knowledge. Uh, or there are some cases of people, you know, uh, saying that they were taken aboard ships and shared knowledge about the past history of earth yeah yeah i've i've heard various stories of this caliber before all sorts of wild and wonderful things yep that we will cover eventually eventually um but look for today let's uh get into the story it's april 6th of 1966 on a seemingly normal day for the children of westall high in clayton victoria At around 11am, one of the students runs into the classroom, out of breath, with a shocked look on his face, and exclaimed, Look, look, there's a flying saucer outside. (laughs) As all the children in the class ran towards their window, their teacher, Andrew Greenwood, tried to gather some control around the ruckus, saying, The bell hasn't rung yet, it's not recess, sit back down in your seats. Yeah, we'll deal with the UFO at recess. Recess is the time for UFOs. Yeah, which the bell rang, like, literally two minutes, like, after he said this as well. (laughs) What's his problem, then? (laughs) Anal teacher being like, nope, 
the time's the time. We do these things when they're allocated. You're still learning. The bell doesn't dismiss you. I do. Yes, 100%. We all fucking remember that. (laughs) The children of Mr. Greenwood then rushed outside, and what they saw, travelling over the tree line only 100 metres or so away, which brings us to a close encounter of the first kind. Yep. Uh, 100 or so metres away was described by Mr. Greenwood as a grey, metallic, cylindrical, or cigar-shaped object. Next, the object appeared to land in a field across the tree line. Now, where this alleged craft set down is now a park. And the the park has a UFO-themed playground. Oh, coincidence. Yeah, uh, which I thought was really cool. I'll we'll find some photos and stuff of it. Yeah, that'd, that'd that'd it's, be, uh, it's, it's fun. It's yeah. like, a, like, um, a, like a space net kind of like flying saucer play pen yep, yep. thing. Uh, and I kind of like that there is that sort of a little bit of a recognition, even though it's kind of like tongue in cheek. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That, yeah, this is like where this happened. <laughs> <laughs> um, now. Graham Simmons, who was the school captain at the time, uh, he was doing some chemistry experiments uh, when he looked out the window and said that he saw something that he had never, ever seen before. Definitely wasn't all the fumes that he was playing with. He was, apparently, I think he was trying to, like, synthesise some, like, crystals or something like that. Um, he, he is in the West Old 66 documentary, um, and again, I'll say, go and watch this. It, it's on YouTube, it's awesome okay it is such a such a cool documentary that's taken place by an australian researcher as well terry peck one of the students described what she saw i could feel a heat and heard a buzzing sound and i could see purple lights all around it like at this time we've got the bell's gone it's recess yep yep there's 200 kids out on the oval seeing this thing okay okay Why, why are they always so obnoxious? Like, why, why are they always bright colours? And, you know, like, you're here on, like, a, what you assume to be a secret mission of some description. Like, you look at all of our stealth aircraft and uh, technology, it's all, like, sleek black. Like, no lights, going dark. Um, why is it that whenever there's a UFO encounter, it's always bright, flashy lights? Well, it's peacocking, right? I, I guess, yeah. I guess. Look at how good I am. Why do you think, like, all the, all, like, the male birds and stuff have, like, the beautiful plumage yeah, and yeah, yeah. elaborate dances and all these kinds of things? They're right. like, check me out, I'm here. So what you're saying is the aliens are trying to coerce us to mate with them? Uh, yeah. Okay, great. 100%. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. That's, de- that's exactly what I'm saying. So... All these kids are out on the playground, on the oval. They've seen this thing go over the tree line, come down and land. And it's chaos on this oval at the moment. Uh, One of the students explained that we were crying and we were thinking that it was the end of the world. Okay, okay. So, yeah, we've got high school students, most of them sort of around like 14, 15 plus. Yeah, yeah. Um, It's still a relatively small school at the time. Uh, now, Barbara Robbins, who was a chemistry teacher at the time, she grabbed her camera. Okay. And she immediately started taking photos as fast as she could. Click, 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 of everything that was going on. Not so, just the UFO, but the kids and 
everything that was happening at the time. She was had enough like sense in her mind during all this madness to grab her camera and try and document it. So uh, the whole um, film don't help goes back all the way to the sixties, does it? Uh huh. Awesome. Great. It's <laughs> nice to know that humans never change. Uh, now Claude Miller, who was one of the teachers that was on yard duty at the time, um, he dropped the ball a bit. He's like, I don't have time throughout the day to get a cup of tea any other time, so he wouldn't make himself a cup of tea. <laughs> and then he went and had a smoke. He was smoking indoors as well. At yeah, of school. course, yep. yeah. yeah. Uh, which, you know, it was fine at that time, not a big deal, but he admits that, he, you know, uh, he was a little bit late getting to his yard duty shift that yep. he was supposed to have, and when he went outside, he saw Mr. Greenwood. Mr. Greenwood approached him and said, Did you see it? He said it was up in the sky, it moved at incredible speed, it hovered, and as it went away, there seemed to be four or five small planes following it. Uh, Brendan Dixon, another one of the students who witnessed this event, uh, said it stopped dead in the air and began descending straight down. It sat down on the ground for some time and then took off straight up. Right. So this took place um, at like a little bushland reserve area just over from the school um, yep. it's called the Grange Reserve it's small pine small pine plantation um, and the children seeing this thing take off and travel they, they took chase they went after it they oh, went of course. off yeah, 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 into yeah. the bushland yep that's um, some great uh, teacher uh, what, what do you supervision is the word I'm looking for yeah well yeah. I mean you know he's off having his diary yeah, <laughs> I want Smoko. Fuck but, off. But I, yeah, but I mean, like, imagine being a teacher trying to wrangle this sort of like situation. It would be impossible. You can't stop. Yeah, fair, fair. You know these hyper alert kids and what's going on. You just can't wrangle them all yeah. unless they come up with like a t-shirt gun net that you can fire <laughs> over two hundred students at a time. I think Drag we, them back in the class. You know what? I think we might be onto something there, Mitch. Not going to happen. Uh, I think there's laws against that. Nah, now, but, um, nah, 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 nah. Yeah, yeah, look into it. <laughs> uh, now, Jacqueline Argent and her friend Tanya were some of the first students to make chase and follow into the scrub. Jacqueline recounts that she lost sight of Tanya as she progressed into the reserve. Uh, Terry Peck was also not far behind them, but upon arriving at the scene, she states that it had clearly landed. The grass was flattened, as if pressure had been applied to it. It was swirly and potentially burnt. Now, I say potentially because um, Terry herself does say that she's a little bit hazy on the details of what sure. happened. I mean, there's a lot of things going on all at once here. Um, but she, you know, found the site where it had landed and found some kids passed out. With with the earth being scorched or whatever, like, in Australia, why, like, is that where most of our bushfires come from? Is it, is it UFOs landing? <laughs> like, um, I, I'm, I'm up to something here. It, it's not some, like, precocious kid with a match. It's, it's UFOs landing. I mean, we do have a lot of Muppets out there, um, yeah, but... Muppet, are Muppets aliens? Uh, yeah, why not? I think Fuzzy Bear or something was an alien, wasn't he? Or I, For some reason I've got like this this memory of Muppets and aliens, and I don't know why. I don't remember the Muppets all that well, mm. to be completely honest, but um, I don't know, if a plush 
green frog came and started talking to me, um, I'd go to Alien before anything else. Yeah, or spiked water, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or spiked water. Um, now, while sort of Jacqueline was in pursuit of a friend, Tanya, she saw the disc hover up into the air and take off. So this is coming back to what Terry saw as well yeah. once she made it there. Um, the details of what happened next are a little bit shaky as no one was with Tanya directly at the time. Yeah. But it is believed that Tanya was one of the few people to see this object on the ground when it made its landing before it took off. Because there were a couple of them passed out, which was Tanya, um, she did wake up. They went back to the school, uh-huh. went back to the Oval. However, Tanya passed out again uh, once they got back to the Oval. Now, there was already an ambulance present at the time, and it took Tanya away to be treated. Yep. Now, I know this is going to sound like a spooky cliche, but Tanya never returned to school. Ooh. In fact, she was never seen by any of her schoolmates ever again. Oh, okay. She's not come forward to this day, to my knowledge, and, you know, this uh, Westall 66 was made in 2010. Yep. And Jacqueline is still saying that she never, ever saw her friend Tanya again after this incident. Yeah, yeah. The trail runs cold there on that one. I mean, medicine wasn't the best back then, like... <laughs> if we... No, but... Yeah, I don't I don't really know what to make of that. Yeah, to sure. To be honest, like, it just... The, the one person that maybe had some interaction with it fell ill mm. uh, was and was taken away and never seen again. You, we hear about that kind of stuff in a lot of cases of people witnessing things, yep, but yep. with so many other people around, how? Yeah. How does that just happen? I know it's the 60s, but how? <laughs> Where were her parents? Well, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, what, why, why is... When, like, have, have the parents ever been contacted? Or were, I'm assuming they're part or on the end of their life by this point, if not already passed, like... Don't know. Okay. Don't know. Tanya, however, wasn't the only one uh, to have seen the object on the ground. Victor Zakrunzi, 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 recounts that he saw two metallic discs roughly roughly three meters apart uh, landed in a grassy paddock. Uh, He jumped the fence and approached the discs. Uh, He says he could feel the heat coming from them, uh, and after about a minute or so, uh, they lifted off the ground and just took off. Um, as Victor is the only person on record to have this close-up interaction uh, with the objects, he describes them as void of any seams, rivets, um, as if the metal had come out of a mould. So, not a traditional aircraft manufacturing technique. Sure, sure. I do have uh, Victor's drawings that he did of what they looked like. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and where he, like, saw these. And, look, it's a pretty traditional uh, disc UFO shape. Uh, that's with, a, that's uh, a nipple. With a little nipple on that's top. That's a nipple. It is, yeah, it is. It's a little nipple. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and this this one is 
uh, a, a drawing not done by him, but part of his description about seeing the disc. So children playing with nipples. Yes. In a field. Beep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so and you know, obviously this is probably not perfectly to scale, but yeah, you know they're hovering off the ground at about head height. Okay. For these for these kids, um, they're not huge. Yeah. By any means, they're not like gigantic but they're also not tiny so they're big enough i would say probably about the size of a car although i don't like have any like direct like measurements yeah um that have been reported about the size of these things tesla's new vehicle tesla's new vehicle now after this has all sort of happened and gone on the headmaster the headmaster god damn it (laughs) (laughs) Now, after these things have taken off into the sky, uh, been pursued by a few small planes, some of the chaos is starting to, like, tone down a little bit. The headmaster, Frank Sambleby, at the time, he held an assembly and told the children that what they saw didn't exist, it was a weather balloon, and not to talk about it. Oh, good, we're doing weather balloons again. Graham Simmons, uh, the school captain, he was the one doing the chemistry experiments. Um, Because, yeah, he was a school captain at the time. He was coached to tell the students that they weren't to talk about it, and he was to monitor the hallways for any kids that weren't in their classrooms, as they had all been instructed not to leave the school. Fucking narc. As Graham was making his way down one one of the halls, he recounts the following... I saw a confrontation taking place between Barbara Robbins, which is the chemistry teacher with the camera, Mr. Sambleby, the headmaster, and a man that I had never seen before, what I thought was in a police uniform, but he wasn't. He was simply dressed in a dark blue suit. The man was demanding that Barbara Robbins hand over her camera, not just her film, but the whole camera. Okay, okay. Now, by this time, the media and the police had arrived on scene. The police were trying to keep the media out, and children were advised not to speak to the media on school grounds. Jacqueline Argent, however, left the school grounds and gave an interview with Channel 9, as well as Marilyn Smith spoke to the Dandenong Journal until the police came out and cut the interview short. Okay. Now, Shane Ryan, in his documentary... He contacts Channel 9 to request access to the records of their UFO stories. Yep, yep. Channel 9 found that they did have this in their library and that he was permitted uh, access to it as well. They said, yep, cool, we'll get somebody to take you in there and you can have a look through our records and you can use this. Yep. He's searching through the library. He finds a canister that had the footage that he was looking for on it, the Westall 66 UFO sighting, opens the canister, no film inside. Ah. It's gone. Convenient. It's still logged away in the library as nobody taking it out. Yeah, yeah. The contents of it is gone. Uh-huh, uh-huh. The Dandenong Journal, however, does still exist. Right. There is a copy of it in the State Library of Victoria. Uh, which I do believe I have here. It reads, uh, Source of Mystery, School Went Silent, What Was It? Um, I will put a link to this as well, if people want to read it themselves. Um, but 
I'm not going to read it all out now because it might spoil some of the things that were coming up. Yeah. Why has that dude got a wheelbarrow? <laughs> what are you doing with that? I It's a little bit blurry. I can't quite tell. Um, I don't know, 25 cent wheelbarrow rides. Did you ever have wheelbarrow rides as uh, a kid? No, no, I didn't. Uh, but if I you know I could charge people for them, then like, I got a wheelbarrow at home. Like, <laughs> I, fuck, I know what I'm doing next week. I used to love them, man. Like when I was a kid, uh, my dad would like stack the firewood in the wheelbarrow, but set it up as like a throne. Right. And then I'd be able to like, cause I'd help him stack it. And sure. then I'd be able to like sit and get a ride down the driveway that, that's, back into the house. That's very wholesome. Oh, it was sick. I felt like a king. <laughs> Absolute king. And, you know, maybe I wish somebody would still do that for me now. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I'm not cutting you around with firewood in a wheelbarrow. That, that's just not happening. How dare you, sir. <laughs> it was worth a try. I'll tow you behind on the ride on. <laughs> uh... Now, the next person that comes into this story is a man named Paul Smith. Uh, he was a farmer at the time, and he saw this object in the sky and thought, bloody hell, someone's got a way of projecting images up into the sky now. Uh-huh. Which is like, I love him for being open-minded. But yeah, yeah. hologram is like the first, his first like rational thought of what's happening sure yeah he was you know kind of was like oh what the shit cool but then his boss came up uh and mentioned that he also saw this object in the sky then they saw the children running towards the area paul states that not more than 20 minutes after seeing this object army type trucks arrive uh, roughly around 20 men get out of these two trucks and two jeeps, and they're all wearing khaki uniforms. Okay, okay. Now, Shane, to his credit, tracks down a military military historian by the name of Lieutenant Colonel Neil Smith, and he finds out that there were no de- deployable Australian troops in Melbourne at the time. Oh. How, how, wait, how? Like, <laughs> surely. So this is the time of the Cold War as well, okay? Yeah, 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 They did have army reserves, like civilian representatives uh, in the area. Yeah. There were um, some research divisions. Okay. But as far as, like, deployable troops, no. And none that would be able, even like the army reserves in the area, none that would be able to logistically rally to be at this thing happening within 20 minutes sure. of it happening. Sure. Don't care how organized you are. It, for them to be there that quick, it's almost like they had to know about it before it happened. Yeah, yeah. I suppose like... All of our military is kind of deployed north instead of south. Like we're not really expecting Antarctica to take up arms no. against us. No, no, uh, I guess not. Although that could be the next that, that could be the next Cold War. If the penguins are going to come for me, the I welcome the challenge. <laughs> I for one welcome our new uh, tuxedo overlords. <laughs> <laughs> um, shit, where are we? Uh, yeah, so. 
the other thing that uh, Neil Smith mentions is that the uniforms that were described on the day don't hold any resemblance to any military uniforms of the era. They didn't wear straight khaki. They did have like camouflage stuff and yeah. that kind of thing. Um, the US mostly had like the khaki camo sort of things, but we have uh, one person already described uh, wearing like a blue navy blue suit. Yep. yep. Um, with no, you know, discernible markings and stuff on it. Um, and then then you we have like khaki workwear essentially. Right. Um, and these military trucks showing up now these military trucks uh, did have like camo paint on them apparently according to sure this anecdote um but they weren't the army now neil smith has come to believe that the respondents were likely part of a research department that was working for defense at the time it's like contractors or something like that yep, yep. um that they were the ones that showed up to begin to investigate this. There were some other people in uniform, resembling US Air Force uniforms at the time, uh, cited on the day as well. A man by the name of Les Madu went to the paddock with him and his sister. They saw what he thought were soldiers using a metal detector on the ground, and, like, you know, they're walking through, they're searching with this, like, like a bomb metal detector sure. through this paddock, which has been referenced as one of the landing sites. Yeah. When the two men begin, like, kicking the ground violently around where they are, like, stomping out. So, like, you imagine, like, there's a little, like, grass fire yeah, or something yeah, going. You yeah. know, it's like they're, like, trying to put it out. Um, the commanders of these men or whomever they were decided, like, yep, round up, off we go. Um... Now, what I didn't mention is that there was, like, a tractor circling, like, around the perimeter of the paddock at the time. Okay. Perhaps, like, a local citizen who was, like, say, hey, just keep an eye out for people while we're, like, doing this thing here. And, yeah. you know, people trust the military for the most part. Yeah, if yeah. If you, you say, it's a, this is a part of national defense, I need your help, can you just go around your tractor and make sure no one's coming in while we're looking at what we're looking into? Not an unreasonable request. Especially for that era, yeah. Now, allegedly, they did go back, uh, like, a day or two later. Uh-huh. Oh, sorry. Now, once the military personnel, or whomever they were, packed up their stuff and left the paddock, and the farmer had left as well, uh, they snuck into the paddock to see what they were looking at. What they found was a circle of flat, burnt grass that was sort of happening like in a swirl. Yeah, yeah. Not large, um, but a uh, pretty traditional crop circle. Mm -hmm. They saw it, they left, um, and they went to go back a couple of days later to show some of their friends, and the entire paddock had been slashed. Yeah, right. Now, I'm going to leave it here for the time being. And we are going to pick up this story. It's going to be coming out in the second part um, the following week, following this one. Yep. 
and we will delve in a little bit more to the investigation into West All 66 and see what else we can find out. Cool. All right. I'm, 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 you've got me by the hook. I'm, I'm curious. Yeah. Um, one thing I will mention is like this story has become known as Australia's Roswell. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the biggest UFO sighting that we've had and the best documented one. Okay. Or maybe not. Okay. Ooh, I like that. We'll see you next episode. Thanks, guys. Bye.